0: chapter forty of the roots of the mountains by william morris this librivox recording is in the public domain of the hosting in shadowy vale it was on the evening of the fourth day after the folk-mote that there came through the waste to the rocky edge of shadowy vale a band of some fifteen score of men-at-arms and with them a multitude of women and children and old men some afoot some riding on asses and bullocks and with them were sumpter asses and neat laden with household goods and a few goats and kine this was the whole folk of the woodlanders come to the hosting in shadowy vale and the home of the children of the wolf their leaders of the way were woodfather and Woodwant, and two other carles of shadowy vale and red wolf the tall and bearsbane and wargrove were the captains and chieftains of their company thus they entered into the narrow pass aforesaid which was the ingate to the vale from the waste and little by little its dimness swallowed up their long line as they went by the place where the lowering of the rock wall gave a glimpse of the valley they looked down into it as face of god had done but not much change was there in little time there was the black wall of crags on the other side stretching down to the gill of the great force there ran the deep green waters of the shivering flood but the grass which face of god had seen naked of everything but a few kine thereon now the tents of men stood thick their hearts swelled within them as they beheld it but they forbore the shout and the cry till they should be well within the vale, and so went down silently into the darkness but as their eyes caught that dim image of the wolf on the wall of the pass man pointed it out to man and not a few turned and kissed it hurriedly and to them it seemed that many a kiss had been laid on that dear token since the days of old and that the hard stone had been worn away by the fervent lips of men and that the air of the murk place yet quivered with the vows sworn over the sword-blade but down through the dark they went and so came on to the stony scree at the end of the pass and into the vale and the whole folk save the three chieftains flowed over it and stood about it down on the level grass of the vale but those three stood yet at the top of the scree bearing the war signs of the shaft and the spear and betwixt them the banner of the wolf and the sunburst newly displayed to the winds of shadowy vale up and down the vale they looked and saw before the tents of men the old familiar banners of burgdale rising and falling in the evening wind but amidst of the doom-ring was pitched a great banner whereon was done the image of the wolf with red gaping jaws on a field of green and about him stood other banners to wit, the silver arm on a red field the red hand on a white field and on green fields both the golden bushel and the ragged sword all about the plain shone glittering war-gear of men as they moved hither and thither and a stream of folk began at once to draw toward the scree to look on those newcomers, and amidst the helmed burgdalers and the white-coated shepherds went the tall men of the wolf, bareheaded and unarmed, save for their swords, mingled with the fair, strong women of the kindred, treading barefoot the soft grass of their own vale. Presently, there was a great throng gathered round about the woodlanders, and each man, as he joined it, waved hand or weapon toward them and the joy of their welcome sent a confused clamour through the air then forth from the throng stepped folk might unarmed save his sword and behind him was face of god in his war-gear save his helm hand in hand with the sunbeam who was clad in her goodly flowered green kirtle her feet naked like her sisters of the kindred then folk might cried aloud a full and free greeting to our brothers well be ye o sons of ancient fathers and to-day are ye the dearer to us because we see that ye have brought us a gift to it your wives and children and your grandsires unmeet for war by this token we see how great is your trust in us and that it is your meaning never to sunder from us again o well be ye well be ye then spake red wolf and said ye sons of the wolf who are parted from us of old time in that cleft of the mountains it is our very selves that we give unto you and these are a part of ourselves how then should we leave them behind us bear witness O men of burgdale and the sheepcots that we have become one folk with the men of shadowy vale never to be sundered again then all that multitude shouted with a loud voice and when the shout had died away folk might spake again o warriors of the sundering here shall your wives and children abide while we go a little journey to rejoice our hearts with the hard hand-play and take to us that which we have missed and to-morrow morn is appointed for this same journey unless ye be foot weary with the ways of the waste red wolf smiled as he answered this ye say in jest brother for ye may see that our day's journey hath not been over much for our old men how then should it weary those who may yet bear sword we are ready for the road and eager for the handplay. play this is well said folk might and what was to be looked for therefore brother do ye and your council-mates come straightway to the hall of the wolf wherein after ye have eaten and drunken shall we take counsel with our brethren of burgdale and the sheepcots so that all may be ordered for battle said red wolf good is that if we must needs abide till to-morrow for verily we came not hither to eat and drink and rest our bodies but it must be as ye will have it then the sunbeam left the hand of face of god and came forward and held out both her palms to the woodland folk and spake in a voice that was heard afar though it were a woman's so clear and sweet it was and she said o warriors of the sundering ye have be not needed in the hall and ye our sisters with your little ones and your fathers come now to us and down to the tents which we have arrayed for you and there think for a little that we are all at our very home that we long for and have yet to win and be ye merry with us and make us merry therewith she stepped forward daintily and entered into their throng and took an old man of the woodlanders by the hand and kissed his cheek and led him away and the coming rest seemed sweet to him and then came other women of the vale kind and fair and smiling and led away some an old mother of the woodlanders some a young wife some a pair of lads and not a few forsooth kissed and embraced the stark warriors and went away with them toward the tents which stood along the side of the shivering flood where it was at its quietest for there was the grass the softest and most abundant there on the green grass were tables arrayed and lamps were hung above them on spears to be litten when the daylight should fail and the best of the victual which the vale could give was spread on the boards along with wine and dainties bought in silverdale or on the edges of the westland with sword strokes and arrow flight there then they feasted and were merry and the sunbeam and bowmay and the other women of the vale served them at table and were very blithe with them caressing them with soft words and with clipping and kissing as folk who were grown exceeding dear to them so that the eve of battle was softer and sweeter to them than any hour of their life with these feasters were Godswain and spear-fist of the delivered thralls of silverdale as glad as glad might be but wolfstone their eldest was gone with dalloch to the council in the hall the men of burgdale and the shepherds feasted otherwhere in all content, nor lacked folk of the vale to serve them. Amongst the men of the face were the ten delivered thralls, who had heart to meet their masters in arms. Seven of them were of Rosedale, and three of Silverdale. The bride was with her kindred of the steer, with whom were many men of shadowy vale, and she served her friends and fellows clad in her war-gear, save Helm and hauberk bearing herself as one who is serving dear guests and men equalled her for her beauty to the gods of the high place and the choosers of the slain and they who had not beheld her before marvelled at her and her loveliness held all men's hearts in a net of desire so that they forbore their meat to gaze upon her and if perchance her hand touched some young man or her cheek or sweet breathed mouth came nigh to his face he became bewildered and wist not where he was nor what to do. Yet was she as lowly and simple of speech and demeanour as if she were a goose-herd of fourteen winters. In the hall was a goodly company, and all the leaders of the folk were therein, and folk-might and the war-leader sitting in the midst of those stone seats on the dais. There then they agreed on the whole ordering of the battle and the wending of the host, as shall be told later on, and this matter was longer doing and when it was done men went to their places to sleep for the night was well worn but when men had departed and all was still folk might light clad and without a weapon left the hall and walked briskly toward the nether end of the vale he passed by all the tents the last whereof were of the house of the steer and came to a place where there was a great rock rising straight up from the plain like sheaves of black staves standing close together and it was called staffstone and tales of the elves had been told concerning it so that Stoneface had beheld it gladly the day before the moon was just shining into shadowy vale and the grass was bright wheresoever the shadows of the high cliffs were not and the face of staffstone shone bright grey as folk might came within sight of it and he beheld someone sitting at the base of the rock and as he drew nigher he saw that it was a woman and knew her for the bride for he had prayed her to abide him there that night because it was nigh to the tents of the house of the steer and his heart was glad as he drew nigh to her she sat quietly on a fragment of the black rock clad as she had been all day in her glittering kirtle but without hauberk or helm. A wreath of windflowers about her head, her feet crossed over each other, her hands laid palm uppermost in her lap. She moved not as he drew nigh, but said in a gentle voice when he was close to her, Chief of the wolf, great warrior, thou wouldst speak with me, and good it is that friends should talk together on the eve of battle when they may never meet alive again. He said, my talk shall not be long, for thou and I both must sleep to-night, since there is work to hand to-morrow. Now, since, as thou sayest, O fairest of women, we may never meet again alive, I ask thee now at this hour, when we both live and are near to one another, to suffer me to speak of my love of thee and desire for thee. Surely thou, who art the sweetest of all things the gods and the kindreds have made, will not gainsay me this. She said, very sweetly, yet smiling, "'Brother of my father's sons, "'how can I gainsay thee thy speech? "'Nay, hast thou not said it? "'What more canst thou add to it "'that will have fresh meaning to mine ears?' "'He said, "'Thou sayest sooth. "'Might I then but kiss thine hand?' "'She said, no longer smiling, "'Yea, surely, "'even so may all men do "'who can be called my friends, "'and thou art much my friend.' "'He took her hand and kissed it, "'and held it thereafter.' nor did she draw it away the moon shone brightly on them but by its light he could not see if she reddened but he deemed that her face was troubled then he said it were better for me if i might kiss thy face and take thee in mine arms then said she this only shall a man do with me when i long to do the like with him and since thou art so much my friend i will tell thee that as for this longing i have it not think thee what a little while it is since the lack of another man's love grieved me sorely the time is short said folk might if we tell up the hours thereof but in that short space have many a things betid she said dost thou know canst thou guess how sorely ashamed i went amongst my people i durst look no man in the face for the aching of mine heart which methought all might see through my face i knew it well he said yet of me wert thou not ashamed but a little while ago when thou didst tell me of thy grief she said true it is and thou wert kind to me thou didst become a dear friend to me methought and wilt thou hurt a dear friend said he oh no she said if i might do otherwise yet how if i might not choose shall there be no forgiveness for me then he answered nothing and still he held her hand that strove not to be gone from his, and she cast down her eyes. Then he spake in a while, My friend, I have been thinking of thee and of me, and now hearken, if thou wilt declare that thou feelest no sweetness embracing thine heart, when I say that I desire thee sorely, as now I say it, or when I kiss thine hand, as now I kiss it, or when I pray thee to suffer me to cast mine arms about thee, and kiss thy face, as now I pray it. If thou wilt say this, then will I take thee by the hand straightway, and lead thee to the tents of the house of the steer, and say farewell to thee till the battle is over. Canst thou say this out of the truth of thine heart? She said, What then, if I cannot say this word? What then? But he answered nothing, and she sat still a little while, and then arose and stood before him, looking him in the eyes, and said, i cannot say it then he caught her in his arms and strained her to him and then kissed her lips and her face again and again and she strove not with him but at last she said yet after all this shalt thou lead me back to my folk straightway and when the battle is done if both we are living then shall we speak more thereof so he took her hand and led her on toward the tents of the steer and for a while he spake nought for he doubted himself what he should say but at last he spake now this is better for me than if it had not been whether i live or whether i die yet thou hast not said that thou lovest me and desirest me wilt thou compel me she said to-night i may not say it who shall say what words my lips shall fashion when we stand together victorious in silverdale then indeed may the time seem long from now he said yea true is that yet once again i say that so measured long and long is the time since first i saw thee in burgdale before thou knewest me yet now i will not bicker with thee for be sure that i am glad at heart and lo you our feet have brought us to the tents of thy people all good go with thee and with thee sweet friend she said then she lingered a little turning her head toward the tents and then turned her face toward him and laid her hand on his neck, and drew his head down to her, and kissed his cheek, and therewith swiftly and lightly departed from him. Now the night wore and the morning came, and face of God was abroad very early in the morning, as his custom was, and he washed the night from off him in the carl's bath of the shivering flood and then went round through the encampment of the host and saw none stirring save here and there the last watchman of the night he spake with one or two of these and then went up to the head of the vale where was the pass that led to silverdale and there he saw the watch and spake with them and they told him that none had as yet come forth from the pass and he bade them to blow the horn of warning to rouse up the host as soon as the messengers came thence for forerunners had been sent up the pass and had been set to hold watch at diverse places therein to pass on the word from place to place then went face of god back toward the hall but when he was yet some way from it he saw a slender glittering warrior come forth from the door thereof who stood for a moment looking round about and then came lightly and swiftly toward him and lo it was the sunbeam with a long hauberk over her kirtle falling below her knees a helm on her head and plaited shoes on her feet she came up to him and laid her hand to his cheek and the golden locks of his head for he was bareheaded and she said to him smiling gold main, thou badest me bear arms and folk might also constrain me thereto lo thou said face of god folk might is wise then even as i am and forsooth as thou art for bethink thee if the bow drawn at a venture should speed the eyeless shaft against thy breast and send me forth a wanderer from my folk for how could i bear the sight of the fair dale and no hope to see thee again therein she said the heart is light within me to-day deemest thou that this is strange or dost thou call to mind that which thou spakest the other day that it was of no avail to stand in the doom-ring of the folk and bear witness against ourselves this will i not this is no light-mindedness that thou beholdest in me but the valiancy that the fathers have set in mine heart deem not o oh gold fear not that we shall die before they dight the bride-bed for us he would have kissed her mouth but she put him away with her hand and doffed her helm and laid it on the grass and said this is not the last time that thou shalt kiss me gold my dear and yet i long for it as if it were so high as the fathers have raised me up this morn, above fear and sadness. He said naught, but drew her to him, and wonder so moved him, that he looked long and closely at her face before he kissed her, and forsooth he could find no blemish in it. It was as if it were but new come from the smithy of the gods, and exceeding longing took hold of him. But even as their lips met, from the head of the veil came the voice of the great horn, and it was answered straightway by the watchers all down the tents and presently arose the shouts of men and the clash of weapons as folk armed themselves and laughter therewith for most men were battle merry and the cries of women shrilly clear as they hastened about busy over the morning meal before the departure of the host but face of god said softly still caressing the sunbeam and she him thus then we depart from the valley of the shadows but as thou saidst when first we met therein, there shall be no sundering of thee and me, but thou shalt go down with me to the battle. And he led her by the hand into the hall of the wolf, and there they ate a morsel, and thereafter face of God tarried not, but busied himself along with folk might and the other chieftains in arraying the host for departure. End of chapter 40